Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our Sunday morning service with evangelist David Diga Hernandez in a message about walking in obedience. Enjoy this message. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? Amen. You can be seated. Uh, pleasure to be with you this morning, and I'm going to minister a simple message. And I believe it's really going to challenge you and encourage you to walk in obedience to the Lord. So before we begin, um, I just do want to pray. Would you just join me in prayer for a moment? Eyes closed, hands lifted. Those of you watching online also, you can join us in prayer. Um, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak through the Word. Father, I ask you to touch each life. And Father, I pray that you would cause us to see the truths in the Word that would ultimately bring transformation. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about choices. And I understand this is the theme this month. You're talking about choices and how those choices bring about different outcomes in your life. More specifically, I want to focus on what happens when you begin to walk in obedience to God. Because I think we understand as we study the scripture, some of the negative impacts of not walking in direct obedience to God or some of the consequences of compromise. But I want to focus this morning on some of the positive things that begin to happen once you begin to walk in obedience. You know, recently I was just kind of you ever just do like these assessments of your life and you're looking around at how things are going, you're looking around at who you're connected with, what you're doing, where you're doing it, why you're doing it. I like to try to evaluate things like that as often as possible. And I was just kind of taking this look around my life and I was thinking about just the blessings of God. And I think it's important that we do this in every season, just assess and really acknowledge how much the Lord has done for us. I mean, because think about it, not only has he saved us, and I know, I know we, we say things like this and it's become somewhat of a cliche to kind of say, well, he saved me and this and this and this, but, but let it be more than something that you repeat. I mean, think about the fact that not only has he saved you, but he's also blessed you with people to fellowship with. He's also given you a life to enjoy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The book of Timothy tells us that he gives us everything we need for our enjoyment. So God is interested in giving you abundant life. We understand things like sacrifice. We understand things like carrying your cross and committing to God's will. And that's all part of it. I'm not saying that everything will always center around the way you want it to be. But God does bless his people. And I was thinking about that. And then I began to just kind of assess my life. And I thought, you know, I really don't deserve anything that good that has come my way. And I know, I know you're right there with me. You, you, you look at the way God has blessed you. You're thinking, Lord, you know, I, I, I've sinned against you. There's been, there wasn't always that way in my life that I was walking in obedience towards you. And here you are. You're blessing me. You're, you're, you're providing for me. And so I'm, look, I'm doing this assessment of my life. And then I just begin to look at it from different angles and just kind of 
just try to put together the pieces of how did I end up here? This is a really blessed season of life. How did I end up here? And what I began to do is realize that much of what I'm experiencing now, not to say that I didn't walk in obedience to God, not to say that I didn't commit to prayer myself or devote myself to the Lord. Yes, there was an element of that. But, you know, I recognize that, that much of what I'm experiencing is an overflow blessing from my grandparents and parents. And people ask me, you know, well, what, you know, what, what is it about this ministry that, that makes it so impactful? And I, I can brag on the ministry because it's not mine. It's his, and I, I'm just the guy kind of managing it for him, at least for this season. Who knows, you know, maybe maybe in the next few decades, as I get to 60s, 70s, it'll have to be passed on to someone else. And so I'm just a steward, and I'm looking at this amazing ministry. I'm going, Lord, like, like, like how did you do this? And he, he began to explain to me by the Holy Spirit that part of the favor on the ministry has to do with the fact that my grandparents and parents walked in obedience to him. Because many of you don't know this, my grandparents were missionaries to Russia and they didn't they didn't leave, you know, at the prime of their lives when when you know they were they were young and vibrant and ready to go and they they left when they were my grandparents. And I remember this because we as a family would we we said goodbye to them. In fact, I think I was showing you, Steve, the videos of some of the home videos of what, how we welcomed them home when they came to LAX finally after years of being on the mission field. And they used to send me these VHS tapes that they would put together um, of, of themselves just entertaining the grandkids. They're like 30-minute tapes, and they would make a, a video for each one of their grandkids, send them by mail. So there was no YouTube or, or you know, texting videos. They literally did these little productions, and that's how we stood in touch with them my grandparents would send those as often as possible. And I think about what they gave up to go and do that. You know, from the natural perspective, one might say there wasn't this huge success that resulted because of them going. But you know what? There are people today in Russia, there's a small church today in Russia, people who can trace their salvation back to when they went and gave their lives for that season. I think of my parents, how they pastored and pioneered and, and for years just committed to the call of God, still are committed. And, and I'm watching this and I can see the compound blessings. And I, don't, I know they won't mind me saying this publicly, but my grandparents weren't in a good place when they came to the Lord. And, and they just began to walk in obedience, obey the Lord. They, they would attend faithfully, serve uh, passionately give generously and they just continued to do this and you know even even if you're looking at someone who has what you would call that spiritual heritage and saying well you know I don't have that or I didn't have grandparents like that or parents like that well this is the blessing is that you can be the one to establish it because your obedience doesn't just impact your life your obedience is going to impact the lives of future generations. I mean, I can trace this ministry. And again, I can brag on the ministry because it's not mine. And I don't want you to think I, I'm not here boasting on my own ability. Trust me. People ask me, what's the secret? What's the secret? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just do what God says and that's it. He does the rest. Um, but, you know, I could trace the, the, the impact of the ministry even all the way back into, 
you know, into Mexico decades ago with this woman named Mama Paulita, who was our, our ancestor who came over and actually crossed the, the desert to come here to California. And she was a woman of God. And I think about all of these decisions, these little decisions that people made that ultimately impacted lives around the world. And you can have part in that. That's the story. God, God doesn't write his story in, in just single phases of lives. God writes his story generationally. Because, because, because when you look at it from God's perspective, that timeline is just, is just all there at once before him. You and I, we, we think of our lives and, and they're kind of these long extended periods of time. But from God's perspective, it's just like that. We're a sentence in the paragraph. We're, 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 we're just a part of his story. And, and God writes generationally. So I want you to think about that as we look at some of the benefits of walking in obedience to God. The impact that you're going to have on future generations of your family. The impact you're going to have on members of your family even now. Who knows who can be impacted by your obedience even in this season of life. I don't care where you've come from. God can make something great of your life. That's the whole idea. Is that God transforms and God causes depraved creatures to become new creations. That He can undo what the power of sin has destroyed in your life. That's the power of the blood. That's the power of the cross. So there's not a single person sitting here this morning who isn't possibly someone who's going to impact generations for the kingdom of God. So looking at obedience and the various benefits that come from walking in obedience, look at first number one. Obedience brings clarity. Psalm 37, 23 says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Notice here that the Bible says that God directs the steps of the godly. Now this isn't to say that He isn't sovereign over the entire creation or that He isn't in some way guiding the entire creation. But you know, there are certain points of guidance that come only to those who are godly because the wicked don't want anything to do with God's instruction. The wicked don't want to go down his path. God will use what they put in their own way, but he himself directs the steps of the godly. He brings instructions. And one of the other benefits of walking in godliness is the scripture says that he delights in every detail of their lives. This is why I don't understand. I just, I can't, I mean, I've read the scripture and, and I just don't understand how anyone can ever think that God doesn't want to bless his people. It's almost like that's an ugly message, right? Whenever you talk about blessing, whenever you talk about God um, you know, promoting you, whenever you talk about God doing good for you, it's like we want to stick our fingers in our ears and say, no, 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 that's not right. And we get offended at that. Some people do anyway. And I just can't understand that. Do you realize that as you look to the scripture, yes, as I said, there's the element of suffering that's been established, well established in scripture. But as you look at the Bible, 
and the different stories of the people that God was showing favor to, it was like his hand just guided them and even the tiny details of their lives ultimately worked together for the good that he had purposed for them. So as you walk in obedience, you begin to see this clarity. If you have confusion in your life, chaos, drama, there's a reason for that. You see, people who walk in obedience to God, they, they are never, and I'm not saying rarely, they are never caught up in drama. They are never caught up in emotionalism. They're never caught up in the chaos of everyday life. They're too busy walking in obedience to God. And some people, they have this chaos about their life. Everything they touch, everything they do, everywhere they go, there's confusion, there's tension, there's chaos, there's disorder. Uh, family dynamics are just completely ruined. And relationships are disorganized and full of spite and full of arguing. And it's like they can never catch a break. One thing after another after another. Why? Well... Part of it sometimes, not all the time, but part of it, especially if this is long-term over the entirety of your life, you probably should look at your decision-making process. You probably should look at your choices, not just the major choices for your everyday life, but those decisions to obey God, even in those moments where your emotions are flared. Even in those moments of anger, even in those moments where ego is trying to rise. And that's... I'd say ego and pride, those are probably two of the biggest troublemakers in your life. They, they cause you to get into quarrels and even fights and disagreements and things that you have really no business being a part of. And as you walk in this obedience to God, you'll notice that that fog of emotion, that fog of anger, that fog of tension begins to clear away as He directs your steps. As God directs your steps, you begin to see the future more clearly. People who live in chaos cannot see their future. People who live in chaos can't plan for the future, can't look to a better time, can't even be given a reason to hope. Why? Because they can't see beyond the fog of chaos that they've created in their lives by walking in this disobedience. But when you walk in obedience, there's clarity. When you walk in obedience, there's purpose. Why would God show you step two and three if you haven't taken step one? Father, show me what do I do? How do I get out of it? And, and He's shown you step one. See, we want, we want that step right before the success. We want that step right before everything kind of works out the way we want it. And He's saying, well, step one is get a hold of your, yourself. Step one is have a little bit of self-control. Step one is stop getting involved in those things. All of those, those basics, those beginning stages of obedience. And so when you begin to take those first steps, God begins to direct your next steps. Well, that's what faith is. It's coming to the very edge of what you know and then taking one more step. Number two obedience brings protection now proverbs 18:10 says god's name is a place of protection good people can run there and be safe now i'm not saying that god doesn't protect the unbeliever he does 
And many of you know this because there are unbelievers in your life that you're praying for. You're asking God to save them. And in the meantime, protect them from themselves, Lord. Don't let them get themselves into too much trouble until you save them. So I'm not saying God doesn't protect the unbeliever. I'm not saying that God doesn't protect uh, mankind as a whole or protect the planet as a whole. Of course He does. What I'm saying is there are certain points of protection that only come when you listen to His voice. For example, and this is just a small example, but you might have others that you can think of. One time I was driving, I was coming home, I believe it was from a service, I was tired, and I come to a stop sign, and the Holy Spirit, right when I'm about to go, said, stop. I've learned just don't try to bargain with the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't try to to get him to do it your way. I love where the scripture says, is the spirit of God straightened? In other words, can you convince him to do it your way? You can't. He's not going to change his mind. And some of us, we bargain hoping he'll give us like a plea deal. Okay, I'll let you do halfway and then I'll bless you. You know, no, he doesn't do that. Holy Spirit said stop. So I stopped. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Seconds later, this car with its headlights off comes running through that stop sign. Now, had I not obeyed the Holy Spirit, I don't, I, I don't think he was going fast enough to have killed me, but it would have been a major inconvenience. I would have been probably injured. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to us is trying to keep us from so many of those things that harm us and convenience us. And he's trying to bring protection, but we just never really listen to him. We don't quiet our, our, our hearts and minds to the point where we can hear from the Holy Spirit. And there are moments where He's trying to protect you. Moments where you're about to say something that you shouldn't. Or post something that you shouldn't. And the Holy Spirit says, stop. He wants to protect your physical being. He wants to protect your emotional state. He wants to protect your mental state. He wants to protect your reputation. This is how God protects the godly. And the scripture declares that God's name is a place of protection. What does it mean to be in His name? It means to be under His authority, walking in obedience. Those who are living in His name receive points of protection that nobody else receives. Yes, as I said, God generally protects the human race. God generally protects the unbeliever. But the believer has this protection of walking in God's perfect will. And here's the amazing thing about God's perfect will. Or at least walking in obedience to Him. Is that even if harm does come your way, it was part of God's plan. I think of the cross. I think of how the, the early church was persecuted, martyred. If you're walking in obedience, even if the worst should happen to you, you still have the best outcomes. Now, now really think about this, because a lot of people walk in fear. Do you know what fear ultimately is? It's based fundamentally on two things, one, one or the other. Either people are really, 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 really afraid of being alone, or trapped, it's kind of the same category. Or, 
people are really, really, really afraid of dying. Now, if he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, we should never be afraid of being alone. And if he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, then we shouldn't be afraid of death either. Now, I'm not saying that you should walk around foolishly and say, I'm not afraid of death and you know, speed down the freeway at twice the speed limit with no seatbelt. I'm not saying that. Even Jesus in Matthew 4 said to the enemy, You'll not, you should not test the Lord your God. Don't tempt Him. Don't test Him. In other words, don't test that protective element of His presence. But, you know, people worry sometimes. Well, what if, like really, really, I, I, I ask myself, you have to come down and break down all the what ifs down to their bare root. People, well, well what if I go to church and get sick? Well, what if you get sick? What, what, what if I? What if I? What if I? What if I end up? What if I end up in the hospital? What if you end up in the hospital? Well, then, what, what if I die? What if you die? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, again, I'm not talking about walking in foolishness or taking no precautions ever. I mean, all of you probably lock your door at night. All of you probably wear a seatbelt, right? These are things you do because they're wisdom and practice and you're not testing that protective element of God's presence. But still, once you've realized that ultimately there's nothing to be afraid of, it breaks that power of fear. Once you realize that you're under God's protection even in death, it breaks anxiety from you. Perfect love casts out all fear. So obedience brings protection. Number three... Obedience brings favor. Deuteronomy 28, 1-2 says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, of course, in context here, this is a promise that God is making to the children of Israel. And you've probably heard some say, well, there's a difference between prescriptive and descriptive scriptures. But that itself is not really even in the scripture. And I find that even in the descriptive text, something that's just describing, you can actually glean principles and truths that reveal things about the nature of God and how He interacts with people. And the truth of the, the matter is that when you walk in obedience, God gives you favor. Now, I thought God was no respecter of persons. Isn't that what the Bible says? No respecter of persons? Well, first of all, this isn't talking about the favor of God. This is talking about salvation or, or how God chooses to treat us based upon how we make our choices and the consequences of those decisions. So, so in, re, in reality, what, what the scripture teaches is that you can become a favorite and anyone can become a favorite by how they choose to live their lives. And in that sense, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons in that anyone can become favored if they just obey. What does that mean? You know, favor will do more for you than finance. Favor will do more for you than promotion. Favor will do more for you than a good reputation. People will tell you things like, that. I can't tell you how many times they'll, they'll look at me and they'll say, we never do this, but there's just something about you 
and we're going to do something we've never done before. You don't know how many times I said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to get done. I would look at the budget and the vision, and the budget didn't match the vision. And then somehow, some way, some, someone or something would happen, and, and it would always be because of God's favor. When you walk in obedience, you have God's favor. And here's the thing. You know, you know can I just be real with you right now? I'm going to do it anyway. Thank you, Steve. People are like, I don't know, what are you going to say? <laughs> you know, we, we look at people who walk in favor sometimes and we just get jealous. Say, oh, look, there goes that. There goes, there goes Isaac and Lizzie again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm just going to use you guys as an example here. You want to know a good example of favor? Watch this family. It's a fact. And you know, if you well, look at their perfect marriage, <laughs> and their perfect kids, and their happy life, and they get to go to lunch with Pastor Omar all the time. <laughs> Pastor Isaac, say it so where everyone could hear it. Do you think you deserve this? Absolutely not. You realize that this couple have set themselves to just do what's right. You talk to them. It wasn't always like this. There were seasons of struggle and chaos. But you watch also their lives, and this is just, you know, the Bible talks about commending people like this and marking people who walk in this way. And, and, and here we see a couple who you can look at this, this example of favor. Things just seem to flow. Why, why, why? It's, and you, you talk with them, I'll tell you, it has a lot to do with their choices. choosing to just you know what we're going to do this right and you watch those blessings flow and you look at a man like Pastor Omar Sister Lethe Robin Carney think, think about this guys you, you can watch these families and sometimes we, 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 we try to dismiss it right and, and we try to dismiss these things because if we can dismiss them, then we're not held responsible for our own decisions. We say things like, well, it's just their personality. You see, because you tell yourself, if it's their personality, then I can't really work for it and no, no, no point in even bothering. I told you I was going to get real right now. And I'm not saying this as a criticism. I'm saying this because there are things in your heart that can prevent you from walking in that favor because you've just dismissed favor in other people's lives. And it turns into this kind of like, well, well, what? You know, hoping for a slip up. I just want to see one of them maybe get angry. Ho hoping for something to go wrong so you can feel better. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm thinking of any... If this is like a situation actually going on, I have no idea. Remember, I live in Texas, okay? So I'm not... <laughs> so nobody come up here afterwards and ask me anything. I, I really... I don't see a situation like that. And I don't know of any. If there is one, well, maybe it's the Holy Ghost talking to you. Um, but, you know, we look at people like that. You look at many of the greats throughout church history. You look at certain families, certain ministries. And, and it's easy to just cross your arms and go, hmm, you know, well, well that's, that's just them. Or, or on the opposite, maybe, maybe not jealousy, but discouragement to where you go, ah, I could never, I could never have that. And you've kind of dismissed yourself because of some 
sense of not deserving anything. Well, all of us will tell you we don't deserve it. But that's what God's favor brings. And favor sometimes is a little uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable sometimes. I can't hardly walk into a charismatic church today without being pulled and sat in the front. I don't like it. Because then I'm sitting in the front and I'm thinking, they're thinking that I'm thinking that I'm better than them because that... You know, or they're thinking that I'm thinking that I deserve this. Or they're thinking that I'm thinking in arrogant ways. And people just kind of make these assumptions. Like I went to a church service. I'm literally... I, I remember I was Mr. me and Tim Lay went to a church service and Tim was doing some type of filming for them. Where were you, Tim? Where are you? He's here somewhere. Oh, he's right there. He's somewhere here. And I, he, he was doing uh, some filming and I, I, I was like starving. Like I wanted, a, I wanted, I really wanted, I said, look, I'll drop you off. You do your thing and then I'm just going to get going. We'll go grab a bite and I'll come back and pick up your crew and all that later. I'm literally heading toward the door, the pastor from the back is that David Hernandez back there? I already knew oh, I'm going to have to stay for the service now. <laughs> she goes, come, come, come. And she didn't sit me in the front. She sits me on the platform. <laughs> and now I really can't escape. But, but you know, there have been in situations like that where a man or woman of God will come and, you know, they'll, they'll acknowledge you. or situ- and, and that's not always comfortable. But, but you know... As you walk in obedience, you're just going to have to get used to the discomfort. And some people are, are they, they, they kind of shy away from the blessing of God because they're afraid of how they'll be perceived. You ever give an expensive gift to someone who grew up poor? Very uncomfortable. And I, and I don't say that as a point of like, you know, crit, again, criticism. This is just, you, you watch what's in their nature. They're almost like, well, this is a bad thing. I can't have this. This shouldn't be. And, and some of you have got to break that mindset. To where God wants to favor you. God wants to bless you. And you're just kind of looking around like, that's not mine. <laughs> that's somebody else. I don't know what's going on there. And you let God do it because you've been walking in obedience. And this is what He promised in His Word. You, you walk in obedience toward me. I'm going to favor you. The reality is... They, ha- they have a saying that they say, they, they say and, and I don't like the grammar of it, but it goes, favor ain't fair. Yeah. It's not. Favor isn't fair. I fixed it, see? Favor isn't fair. <laughs> it's not. You're going to get opportunities that others should have gotten. You're going to get blessings you didn't work for. You're going to have open doors you didn't expect. You're not just going to be provided for. You're going to have more than enough. And people are going to get jealous. People are going to get uncomfortable. But when you walk in obedience, that's just how it happens. That's just the way it is. Say it out loud. Say, favor isn't fair. Number four. Obedience brings peace. Psalm 119, 165 says, Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. You know that when you sin, it's a violation of your conscience. (laughs) There was a member of my family who used to 
you asked me about my family history, and I'll tell you at some point if you ever want to talk about there there's so many characters in my family who uh, who are interesting. I had one who I won't say what he did for the mob, but he did something very important for the mob, and he told so many lies to so many people that he had to write everything down in a little book. And he would keep a book and a section for each person he lied to so that when they called, he'd find out who they were. He'd flip to that page and he'd make sure he had his story consistent for the lies he told that one person. Yeah, that's crazy, huh? And, you know, he had to keep track of these things and it was just like this constant paranoia. It's constant covering up. Do you really want to live like that? Even if it's not something as big and dramatic as that, think about the way that some people live their whole lives just trying to cover things. Cover their tracks. Start sweating when someone picks up your phone. Get a little nervous when they go to your computer. More than that, maybe you don't want certain people talking to other people. You've got to keep them separate because less, less one group finds out about what the other group knows. Have to avoid certain places. We're getting deep now. But you know, those who walk in peace, it's because they walk in obedience. Wake up every morning, they don't have to pull for their little book of lies. You think Pastor Omar wakes up when a pastor calls him? Okay, well, I mean, what, what did I tell him? Just go to my book of lies for that guy. Do you know why people who walk in obedience have such joy? It's because they don't have the burden of that. They're not constantly looking over their shoulder, not constantly wondering if, if things are going to implode. They walk in that peace because they love God's instructions. They live according to His Word. You want that peace, it's going to take obedience. And finally, and I think this is the most important, because as I said, I do want to balance this. I am not saying that everything will always work out the way you want. I know I said this already, but I have to clarify this, because I think sometimes we get the wrong idea. Nor am I saying that the gospel is about what God can do for you. It's about what he's already done for you. That's the good news. That's the announcement. So, so I'm not standing up here saying 100% all the time, health, wealth, happiness. And if you declare or acknowledge any other thing that goes wrong in your life, you're not walking in faith. That's just nonsense, okay? That's not the Bible. But, but it is also true that obedience brings clarity, protection, favor, and peace. And number five, most importantly... Obedience pleases God. That's it. Hebrews 11.6, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's a, that's a scary thought for me. You, 
you know, we talk about fears and things that we worry about, and I'll have to admit, when I, when I, when I was just starting to preach, and, and, and I like to think I'm just barely at the midpoint, okay, of, of the ministry, unless Jesus comes, which I would love that too. When I first started to preach, and if you guys could all come at once, please, just thank you. When, when I first started to preach, I remember that I was so afraid of people's opinions. I'll be just real with you here. When I got up to preach, I really, really, really wanted people to like me. Like, please, I hope, I hope, they, I hope they're impressed. And I, I say now, it's, it's more important that we impart than that we impress. But, but, but I, I, I would get up there and say, okay, I, I want them, to, I want them to, to like my preaching and my teaching. And I want them to say I was good at it. And you know, that, at its core, some of that's good. Some, but not all of that is terrible. So to want to be good at what you do and to be appreciated for it, that's not entirely evil. But, you know, I was so afraid, man. People, when, when they would compliment me, it would just send me, you know, I would just go to sky high. I was, I was walking on the clouds. Wow, they, they really enjoyed it. And I don't know if they were lying to me or not, but maybe they kept that in their book, tell him he's a good preacher. <laughs> and I would, you know, I would just be, I would just be elated at, at the compliments that they would give and excited that somebody enjoyed the ministry. And then there were times when, when you know, people would compliment, but then I'd go online and there'd be a comment. I attended the service tonight. And you, whenever someone says they love you, you know something's coming. I love you, but I thought, duh, 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 and I, I just remember I, I would read these and I would just be crushed. Like it would, it would ruin my next three days. Like it was just this weight over me. And I really, with God's help, had to learn to just kind of not care. Not, not in the arrogant sense of, I don't care what people think of me. I always find that funny that people announce, I don't care what people think of me, and they want people to think that. But not in that arrogant sense of like, I don't care what anybody says or does. No, because you know, there's accountability, there's relationships, you have to consider how, how you might even hurt others through what you say. But, you know, I came to that point where I was just, Lord, it, it, you know, the compliments are for you, the criticisms, I'll just, I'll just give them to the devil, I don't know. And sometimes criticisms are good if they're coming from the right source at the right time with the right heart. But, you know, not everyone who's an, you know, everyone's an apostle these days and wants to rebuke everyone. And so I learned to just not be afraid of people. That took some time. And in some sense, there are still moments where that tries to come back up. You got to keep that in check. Especially when you could say something and if I say something that people don't like and enough people don't like it there goes the income for me and my whole staff but I gotta stay true to the word you know when I first started casting out demons it was scary it was it freaked me out I, I, I remember seeing the first exorcism it was strange gentleman I was in the Midwest preaching a gentleman tells me hey I see you praying for those teens but they're still leaving with demonic some of them are still leaving with demonic influence they're not even saved I said really I said well show me I want to see this 
He said, fine, come back to the church tonight. And it was like, a, it's like in the movies, like I pull up to the church, great clouds, and I'm walking up. I go inside the building. This man, this preacher is there, and he invites this gentleman to come in. And I remember he starts talking to the guy, pointing his finger in his face, says, what is your name? I'm like, why is he screaming at him? And I watch, and, and this guy begins to manifest, and he got demons. I, I kid you not, when this guy started screaming, I heard multiple voices at once coming out of him. And I watched it from like back in the distance like this, and I'm just kind of watching. Made me a little bit nervous. That's intimidating. But after a while, I realized that, A, I don't have to argue with demons. You just tell them to go. And B, so long as I'm walking with God, there's really nothing they can do to me. Nothing. Nothing at all. And, and, you know, this is why I say I was on the phone with someone yesterday who called me about just asking me questions about spiritual warfare. And I asked him, I said, if somebody's walking with the Holy Spirit, can the devil touch them? He says, no. I said, then why bother with all that other stuff? Why not just teach people to walk with the Spirit? It solves all the problems. And he, he, he was kind of like a light bulb went off. And he goes, oh, he goes, he says, this is convicting me, but it's good. I'm, I'm hearing it. And I realized you don't have to. Yeah, yes, we understand the devil's a real devil. The enemy can actually do some harm. I'm not saying that we scoff at supernatural beings, as the scripture says. But, but again, when we're walking with the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be afraid of demonic powers. So I don't have to fear man. And I don't have to fear the devil. Do you know what should cause you some concern? Do you know what I'm afraid of? Grieving the Holy Spirit. Doing something that breaks his heart. just so that I can receive the fruit of that obedience. That's wonderful. That's biblical. And don't let any religious Pharisee tell you otherwise. What I am saying is that most importantly, above all, I want to walk in obedience because it pleases God. Because after all the joy he's brought to me, love for something I do to bring joy to him. After all that he's given to me, I would love to live my life in a way, to live my life in such a way that when I lay my head down at night to sleep, I can take the entirety of my day offer it to God and say this is a gift to you. Make each day an offering. 
I promise you, I promise you, you do that, everything else falls in line. You work on that offering. What you said, what you didn't say. What you did, what you didn't do. Where you went, where you didn't go. Make this an offering every day. Make that your choice to please God. And you will walk in all of these benefits, but again, the greatest benefit of all. You will know that you brought joy to your Father's heart. If that's what you want, you say, I want those blessings, but more importantly, I want to please God. And you're going to make a commitment to make each day that offering. Stand up and come stand at this altar right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.